Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Positively Trek. I'm one of your hosts, Dan Gunther. And of course, uh, as we said in a recent episode, no longer with me is Bruce Gibson. Uh, you, I guess, just will not be hearing his voice anymore on the podcast, which is really sad. Would you unlock the door so I can get out, please? What? Wait, what? Oh, oh no. I'm supposed to be gone and I'm still here because you won't let me out. You, I'm locked in this room, so I guess I'm here for another episode. Okay, what the heck? We'll we'll let you stay on for this episode, I guess. Hey, everyone, it's Bruce. Uh, welcome back, Bruce. Hello, hello. You know, uh, this idea of me leaving was an April Fool's joke. It just wasn't in April. That <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it's so weird. We got our A's crossed. You know, April and August. So, mm-hmm. well, uh, I, Bruce, I don't know how to tell you this, but um, I, I actually already went and replaced you. Uh, so, uh, if you'll just look behind you, um, somebody's waiting to kind of sit in that chair there. Uh, Somebody is breathing down my neck. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, everybody, please give a warm Positively Trek welcome to Barry DeFord. Barry, welcome to Positively Trek. Well, hello, everybody. And it's nice to see uh, it's nice to see that Bruce is taking the Hotel California approach to podcasting. You can check out any time you like, but you can never <laughs> leave. Um, it's all right. I don't mind Bruce taking the chair a few times here and there. That's uh, absolutely wonderful. And uh it's really cool, uh, Bruce. I'm I'm excited to see also how your how your career in stand up goes. <laughs> oh yeah, so am I. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I was doing some work on that today. I had to write twenty things about myself that were interesting to help prepare for my first lesson in stand up. I've done stand up years ago, but this is like a reintroduction to it. So we'll see how that goes. That's really cool. I feel like for myself, I'd get stuck at around maybe six or seven and have a lot of trouble past there. So wait, how many things? (laughs) Well, there is some there. There is 20. Yes, 20 of them. And I actually could have come up with more. But Star Trek is in two of them. I can tell you that. So nice. According in in this show, too, because I mentioned podcasting. Awesome. Well, Bruce, you're here, of course. This is a little bit of a torch passing episode, you know, cards on the table everyone i uh i twisted bruce's arm and convinced him to come back for one more episode just so we could have kind of a proper send-off and uh passing the torch to the fresh new face of barry deford on the show uh so barry why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and and how you find yourself here on positively trek oh man well first of all fresh face i'm not terribly certain uh uh, I come well seasoned. Those of you uh, may remember my brother in Trek and I, Shashank, hosted uh, Paula Trex. Uh, that was on the uh, Trek Geeks and also formerly before that Tricorder Transmissions Networks and uh, had a lot of fun 
doing that. And there's no saying that that's necessarily disappearing uh, still at this point. We're uh, we're on a bit of an extended hiatus still, but uh, it's you know we we cover some pretty heady issues and and got deep into the mud of it. And of course, coming over here onto Pol- Positively Trek, I'm definitely going to still bring some of that style with me. But uh, I think Dan, you and I have got a, a couple neat neat directions I think we're going to take with with this show moving forward and I'm super excited to see what uh, what your fans and yeah I mean right now I'm kind of taking the the concept of guest host right now but uh, I wouldn't necessarily say my fans yet but it's nice to meet all of the listeners here and uh, I look forward to getting to know your audience it's it's going to be fun I I think so too and uh yeah we've we've up to the Canadian content in the the podcast as well, because oddly enough, the CRTC is going to be real happy with us. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Maybe we could actually get on like CBC gem or something now, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty great. Barry actually lives in the same city I do, which is wild because I mean, there's only 70,000 of us who live here and it's really, really far North comparatively speaking to where most people <laughs> live uh but yeah really excited to have a, a, another local here on the show it's wild actually and and i'm not sure when exactly i wasn't uh wasn't sure exactly when we want to tell that story about how you and i managed to find out that we lived not uh miles or kilometers but in fact blocks away from one another yeah it's it's so wild and and yeah we're going to share that story a little later in the episode i think we we're going to do like a proper deep dive. If you'll remember way back to episodes one and two of Positively Trek, that was kind of Bruce and myself introducing ourselves and how we became Star Trek fans. And we really want to give you, Barry, that treatment as well and kind of learn your story. So uh, folks who want to get to know the the new host, stay tuned. We're going to talk about that. And it's a pretty cool story. So you'll want to listen to that for sure. Yeah, that story is interesting because you would think, oh, you guys must have known each other because you live locally. No, <laughs> that's not how it plays out. So yeah, you're going to want to hear this story. Absolutely. Well, before we get to that, though, we need to talk about the... I don't know. Elephant in the room. What do we say? Denebian slime devil in the basement. We got to trekify that statement somehow, but we got to talk about Star Trek Day because, of course, we just came off of that. That happened just a few days ago. There were a ton of reveals, new trailers. Well, one new trailer and a bunch of little sneak peeks. And we want to talk about all of that, as well as recent interview with Kate Mulgrew with some interesting tidbits as well as a, an interesting new Star Trek product that I kind of wish I was about, you know, 30 years younger for. But uh, yeah, we'll get to that for sure. Uh, so first of all, Star Trek Day live stream. I have to admit, I didn't get a chance to watch it live. Of course, I was working at the time and I still haven't been able to watch it all. I've just seen kind of the sneak peeks in the trailers and about 10 minutes of the red carpet at the start, which is where I was when I had to stop it and start this meeting for this recording. So did either of you get the chance to watch it either live or after the fact? I have not yet, and it is upsetting. It's been a bit of a a bit of a busy time at my work, and just have not been able to get that get that going. And then just the weekend here, I've been doing some 
home improvement projects and getting my very old computer up and running. So this is actually the first time uh, those of you listening to the mellifluous tones of my voice, uh, it's on a very, very, very old Mac Mini that's uh, basically given up the ghost at this point. So I'm really excited, though, to get a chance to sort of pick away at it at my own leisure, which I am excited that, that, that we actually have that option. Well, no, I did not see it live because I was working. I was working from home, but also I had, I'm trying to remember what it was, somebody coming to the house. Oh, yeah, to look at our air conditioning unit, which turned into a whole nother fiasco. A little side story here. The air conditioning unit ended up being fine because we had a leak of water, but he couldn't figure out the problem and it's been fine. But then he found something wrong with our hot water heater oh, and no. that's going to be replaced. So <laughs> anyway, I was dealing with that. And then I don't know, I guess it was yesterday. No, it was Friday evening. I watched the a replay of the live event. I, I There were some parts I would skip through because they had little production issues here and there. And I'm mm. like, yeah, I'll just skip through the introductions and just get to the meat of things. But I probably saw like 80% of it. Nice. Well, I mean, it, it wouldn't be a Paramount Plus live stream event if there weren't some issues here and there as, as we've all become used to. So that said, there was a lot of really cool information for each of the currently airing Star Trek series. So first of all, we got to talk about Star Trek Picard. Uh, we got a season three teaser trailer. for Admiral Jean-Luc Picard. We need your help. We need your help. I need to find the ship. We need to find a ship. Now, I can't ask you to put yourself in danger. Since when? Jean-Luc. Wherever you go, we go. Hello, beautiful. Permission to come aboard, Commander. Permission granted, sirs. Welcome to the Titan. Why don't you do us the honor, Commander? Engage. Bruce, what were your thoughts on this trailer just initially? I think I liked seeing the Titan, this new Titan that we have. I mean, you would think I would say, oh, seeing the old crew there. But because we've seen them in another trailer before and you don't see a whole lot of them, the things that stood out to me were the new Titan because I thought it looks gorgeous. Mm -hmm. I, I hope I, I'm trying to see its registry number, but I think it is an A. I've heard that's yeah. What uh, um, Terry Madalis was saying on social media, but yeah, I was doing the same thing. I was trying to look for a registry number on it. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of like Scotty. I'm getting tired of the A's B's and C's and D's and on and on, but I'm okay if it's an A, whatever. But uh, that stood out to me and also seeing uh, crusher 
like she's getting ready to take someone down. You know, she's got a phaser rifle or something going on there. And that was pretty cool. And just seeing the interplay between Picard and Riker. And then, of course, seeing Seven on the bridge. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that stood out in my mind. I've also seen the trailer and I imagine, you know, seeing seeing all these actors coming back just indicates to me how clearly excited they are to to get back into the role again. Having, you know, seen them and mildly and very at a limited sense interacted with some of them at STLV and stuff like that, to be around that kind of a fan base and then now to be able to relive that character again. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Like Hell excited. And yeah, that Titan. At first I was a little like, oh, nacelles are up. Like, what the heck? But I don't really I don't really mind. It's uh it is. It's a nice, bulky looking Excelsior-esque looking ship, and I love it. Yeah, I love the the Titan A. It looks really cool. When I initially saw, of of course, because I was at work, so I was on break and I pulled out my phone and I'm seeing all these screen caps, and they're like they introduced the Titan in Star Trek Picard. And I was like, but what? It doesn't look like, are they, oh no, cannons breaking again. Ah, but no, no, it's the Titan A. So I'm like, okay, all right, okay. Our precious cannon is preserved. <laughs> Lower decks <laughs> is cannon, people. But it looks great. It I think looks it looks amazing. great. Yeah. I love the first Titan, though. Mm. I love the look of that one, too. But this one really, yeah, has that good blend of the Excelsior and the Enterprise and even of the Titan. Like, I don't know. It's just a nice, you know, nice blend of, of different ships. There's a lot of shots of that, you know, of, of the Titan. And it wasn't just like a one shot thing. They really were spending a lot of time on it in this trailer. Yeah. Yeah. The variations that um, I think Star Trek Online has allowed ship designers to work from has really given you know, I mean, Star Trek Online, I, you know, the ship designs have been hit, miss, good, bad, and I think they've sort of evolved over time. And getting to see those elements factor in, especially to Picard's ship styles that, I, that I've noticed, it's, it's delightful, actually, to see this, this kind of reimagining of the, of the Titan. When I was at STLV last, it would have been 2019, I actually got a chance to talk to Jonathan Frakes when I was getting a picture with him, and I had him sign the, the base of the Titan. Uh, Eagle Moss ship that I had gotten and I asked him if the Titan would be showing up in the future and he leaned into my ear and said we'll see and then he smiled at me and then they <laughs> took the picture and so I'm almost certain he would have known about at least you know obviously the first design but maybe even could have been in talks for how the Titan's going to find its way back into Picard again and yeah I'm super excited I can't wait to see what's going to happen and how this is all going to conclude. Yeah, yeah. it's funny you said that uh, about Star Trek Online, because I almost mentioned it reminds me of something you would see on Star Trek Al Online, that ship. Yeah, I think it was designed by Bill Krauss, I believe, was, was the designer of this ship. And uh, I, I remember initially on social media looking and, and seeing people saying, oh, they just ripped off Bill Krauss's design. How could they do that? It looks so close. And yeah, no, Bill Krauss actually designed this version of it. So you know, no ripoffs, guys. It's he did it. <laughs> and also, I found interesting. Terry Madelis described it as a neo constitution class as well. So they're, they're, it's like an updated constitution class, apparently. That's kind of interesting. I guess so. I think if they want to call it anything, they can definitely go ahead and do so. I think if they want it to hearken, I mean, if it does hearken back to the Connies, it's obviously a hearkening to the refit than it is the original. 
and mm. those bulkier elements on it just you know because it's the titan like it's got to be armored up and it's probably got more than one photon torpedo port and all those sorts of things so i would be interested to see you know how this thing's going to look i'm glad that the nacelles are still stuck together uh, as much as i don't mind the discovery I, i've gotten used to the discovery ships uh, i do like the fact that there are pylons and i've never th- i never thought that being satisfied to see a pylon would make me happy but uh here we are. <laughs> Pylons, everyone. Yeah, I can't wait till Eagle Moss comes out. Oh, wait. Eagle Moss. Wait. Okay, <sighs> forget that right now. Pour one out for for Eagle Moss. Hopefully someone will pick pick up that baton and run with it. Might still happen. Yeah. Might still happen. We're told to be hopeful, so fingers crossed. Yes. I have all the hopes in the world that we will see this as a model ship thing you can buy for sure. Yeah, I'm sure someone will will make something that we can spend all our hard-earned money on for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm almost getting distracted because I'm on my phone looking at pictures of the Titan now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bruce is looking at ship porn. Here we go. She's a tough little yeah. ship. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I and I also have to say that moment when Riker looks out the viewport and says, hello, beautiful. I mean, you know, I want to get a model and and say that to it, so... Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned seeing Beverly Crusher in the trailer as well. And and I love that we kind of lead off with her in this trailer. She's kind of the first person we see. And I've also heard from Terry Madalis on social media and stuff that he kind of wanted to start the season with Beverly Crusher as well. So that's interesting. I'm curious to see how that all plays out. Well, because I think she's really angry at Jean-Luc for not marrying her that she mm. probably proposed and he just always went ah, 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 and nothing ever came of it. And now she's just getting her revenge on Jean-Luc. Well, Laris has them all straightened out now. So she, she got them right and ready for Beverly maybe. <laughs> yeah. And then Beverly's like, then why couldn't I make this happen? I'm so jealous, you know, but mm. whatever. <laughs> and then Wesley decides to become some emperor in the mirror universe or something that's on Star Trek online. So, Oh, wow. I haven't been keeping up to date with any of that. <laughs> oh, you got to check that. There's a trailer out for that too. Oh man. That is actually very interesting. No, I, I guess for me seeing Worf and Jordy and Beverly, like seeing everyone again also kind of raises the stakes a little bit because this is sort of obviously going to be the last outing for pretty much all of them. And so one could ostensibly do whatever they want with the character. I mean, data, right? So, and and we are expecting, I guess, spoiler alerts for everyone. If you haven't watched season one of Picard, uh, get on that. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I think I think it does raise the stakes a little bit. I wouldn't I wouldn't be averse to losing one of the characters in this sort of final um, final chapter. And and as much as you know nemesis is this is this is called positively trek and i'm really trying to find trying to find good things to say here um i'm glad that nemesis is no longer the last time we see these characters together it, it is it is pretty satisfying to me amen 100 to that i absolutely agree for sure uh wharf looked really good in this trailer i don't i don't know like something about him i was like there's the wharf of old like he really i don't know just came across really good looking in this trailer well, he is a wharf and old. Yeah. Well, he, he's <laughs> yeah. like all good things-esque, right? Yeah. Well, and I mean, as I've said in the past, and, and this is a theme of Star Trek, I think Star Trek is the story of Worf. 
Like if you look at the number of hours that any character has been in Star Trek, Worf has the most. Star Trek is the story of Worf. The original series and those films were just setting up for the eventual appearance of Michael Dorn as Worf. We got met his grandfather in Star Trek six. Then he comes in, in Star Trek, the next generation comes back in deep space nine. And then we've got him and Picard here. That's just, you know, that's, they're telling that story. What you're saying is Michael Dorn won Star Trek. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and you know what? Fine. I'm, I'm good with that. The way he helped, you know, putting his own touch on the building of the Klingon race themselves it's indelible. It's absolutely, yeah, no, hats off to him. Definitely. Raise the I blood mean, wine cups. He's responsible, like, the character's responsible for the last two chancellors of the Klingon Empire, and, and he killed the first one that he brought in, too. Like, he's the kingmaker. Like, yeah, no, Worf <laughs> has all the power. Well, and then I'm doing, I'm still doing my Deep Space Nine rewatch, and today... I'm I'm still on season three, but I have one episode left, and I keep thinking Ooh, how I'm going to get. Yes, and I'm keep thinking how I'm going to hit Worf very soon. So it's that feeling of it's all about Worf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just laying the groundwork. The first three seasons of DS Nine were just laying the groundwork for Worf's eventual emergence onto the station. So, so this is uh this is Star Trek Picard, but it's just been laying the groundwork for season three, which is actually about Worf. So this is not Star Trek Picard; it's Star Trek Picard, but the Worf is silent. Exactly. The Worf there is you silent. Go. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, because if you think about it, in TNG, Worf is there since the beginning. But then when you get to Deep Space Nine, he comes in later, right? So, and here we are in Star Trek Picard, he shows up later. In TOS, he shows up not as him, but his grandfather in the last movie. of T Like, it's always going to end with Worf. So, my prediction is in Star Trek Picard, Worf will be captain of Voyager to make that and note for the Voyager series. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, actually, no, wait, let me, I'm not, I'm, I'm kidding. Right. But in all seriousness, <laughs> I did when watching this trailer and seeing seven and nine as a commander, I thought, well then who's the captain of the Titan. And I, I'm, I'm willing to bet you it's Harry Kim. I'm willing <laughs> to bet. I'm so, so serious that they are going to do that and have, you know, him be the captain, her the first officer. Well, we will talk after this recording because I will put money against that. Um, I'm I'm taking this bet. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love it. Um, so, yeah, speaking of Seven of Nine, we get Commander Seven of Nine and she gives the command engage to which Picard has a little bit of an internal smirk. I liked that. She looks great in that uniform, by the way. Like, talk about something that should have been done way sooner i'm so glad to see this turn for her character here yeah something that was brought up in season two of picard that she wanted to join starfleet but there was too much animosity against ex borgs i guess thankfully that's reversed i like that finally giving her a uniform is what i like to call the deanna troy effect yeah like as much as as much as I know they're trying to sell to audiences and, and, and I'm aware of, of the objectification involved in, in both Marina Sirtis uh, and Jerry Ryan's characters and all of that sort of stuff. For me, nothing nothing beats a good Starfleet uniform just to look like a freaking badass, right? Like whoever you are, it's the great it's the great badassery equalizer, right? I mean, even even myself getting to to put on a Starfleet uniform can can make you feel a little a little taller and a little a little more cocksure in your stride, that's for sure. So, 
No, wonderful to see that. They feel like they got to put them in the cat suits and whatever to make them look sexy or whatever. But honestly, I think they're more sexy in a uniform. I mean, who doesn't love a woman in uniform, right? Who doesn't love a man in uniform? You know, I mean, it's like, I prefer that anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think Deanna Troy, her best look was season six and seven after. And and I mean, also, as you say, the effect of putting them in a uniform. Hey, the writers suddenly started writing interesting and compelling stories for her where, you know, she wasn't, as she herself put, a potted plant on the bridge, you know. So same with Seven of Nine, I think. uh, you know, she had a lot to work with in Voyager. I feel like her character did some really great things despite the clear objectification that the the costume gave her. But I, you know, I'm just going to cards on the table. There's no sexier look for Seven of Nine so far than seasons one and two of Picard, where she's wearing regular clothes that fit like clothes are supposed to fit, you know? Yeah, I don't know why I just got this image of Rafi showing up in Seven of Nine's cat suit from Voyager saying, hey, I found this in your closet. I thought I'd try it on. Oh, dear. <laughs> or Picard himself just is like, I was a Borg once. Come on. <laughs> I've, I've worn yeah. one of these things. <laughs> yeah, oddly enough, he didn't have to wear that sort of whatever biodermal suit. Yeah. to aid in the healing that seven of nine did that's how odd or hugh or anybody else yeah, yeah. hmm <laughs> i mean to watch to watch um sir pat walk around in a uh in a rubber suit from season four onward would have been amazing <laughs> <laughs> well especially if he had the heels that jerry ryan had to wear on that too i mean exactly you know talk about defining that calf muscle like he could really pull that off I think. if anyone could have pulled it off <laughs> Patrick Stewart, 100%. Here, here. Well, let's wrap up the Star Trek Picard talk to say that we have a premiere date for season three, and that is February 16th. So coming very early in 2023, and it'll run for 10 episodes, as has kind of become the norm for the live action and lower decks as well. So uh, pretty standard there. Really excited to, to get that early in 2023. Moving on to Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Now, listeners of this podcast will know of my huge adoration of the character of Ortegas from that show. And uh, we got an exclusive clip from the Ortegas-centric episode that we're getting in season two that we were denied in season one. I love this clip. It's really great. It's uh, They're going to go on this landing party and she's all dressed up in this kind of cold weather gear and she's very excited to wear the hat that, Barry, you and I would call a toque. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, a beanie, I guess, is, is what I've heard elsewhere. Woolen hat. Yeah, exactly. And she's very excited to go on this mission. But unfortunately, uh, she's told by Pike that she has to stay behind on the Enterprise to pilot it through this hazardous region. And they're going to have to make lots of course corrections. So she has to stay on board. But darn it, she's still going to wear that hat as she walks off and puts it on kind of petulantly. And uh, I love this scene. It was really great. Yeah, Ortegas really did steal the show, and I appreciate that quite a bit about how she, as a as a character, has just sort of, I don't know, there's sometimes it just sort of clicks, right? I mean, I, I find that this cast has clicked pretty quickly, 
And uh, yeah, she's definitely risen to the top for me too. You know, when I was watching this clip, I was thinking how she kind of is getting that Harry Kim kind of thing where she doesn't, she thinks, oh, I finally get to go on a away mission. Oh no, 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 you got to stay behind. It's like, uh, is she going to be the one on this crew that just never seems to get ahead? Somebody's always pulling her back. You know, I just hate that. But uh, I'm sure we're going to see her down on the planet at some point in this episode. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just excited for an Ortegas centric episode. So w- what's the hashtag more Tagus? I'm I'm there for that. <laughs> <laughs> you get you guys were saying in the last uh, in your last episode together, not the book club episode, the last episode that was the first last episode for Bruce, not the second last episode or this <laughs> last episode. But the first of the last? Anyway, where am I? Okay, anyways, uh, <laughs> I think I slipped through time there for a second. So you guys are saying that, like, with regard to Lower Decks and how Mariner was trying to take things into her own hands and the 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 Lower Decks crew isn't the one that solves it. No, you weren't there for all the really cool parts. No, you just hijacked some crap and acted like a jerk and then everything got fixed anyway. And I do see in the positivity of strange new worlds comparatively to to sort of the darker tones and stuff that trek has taken recently in the past maybe a bit more of that kind of no the mundane no you get to you know stay on the ship and peel potatoes or something like that i think is is something that i do kind of like because those slice of life trek episodes and i think of like data's day going as far back as that Mm. those are actually really fun to watch so even if ortegas doesn't necessarily do a whole heck of a lot she is already kind of a darling and i would love to see just sort of a, a slice of life episode like that yeah like i think back to season one of strange new worlds and uh the i think i think it was the yeah it was the episode spock amok where he where spock and to kind of switch consciousnesses yeah and we got to see a bit of Ortegas and Chapel just kind of hanging out on shore leave together. And that was a lot of fun. I really liked that. Yeah. Yeah. Mike McMahon likes that stuff. That's what he patterns Lower Decks after is just those everyday things. Right. So those are a lot of fun. And I, I don't feel like we get enough of that in Discovery. And I wish we would. Mm-hmm. Discovery has taken such an interesting arc. I'm preparing to expose a brand new Trek fan to uh, to Discovery in the next little while. And from season one to now, like really and seriously, it's a show that has really kind of built itself over again. It it kind of deconstructed and then rebuilt itself. Like if you think about the writing of like, well, no, we're just going to whip this thing thousands of years into the future and basically kind of etch-a-sketch everything that we've done. It's interesting. And when I say etch-a-sketch, you know, you shake it and it kind of the, the, the uh, image disappears just for anyone who's like, what? What is he saying? Uh, that's one, one good thing uh, listeners to Positively Trek can now look forward to are my extremely weird analogies. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, one other thing about Strange New Worlds before we actually move on to Discovery, too, because uh, I'm I'm curious about your thoughts and, and stuff on season five, which we don't know a lot about yet, but we'll get there, is this news that Carol Kane is joining the cast as Pelia, the new chief engineer replacing Hemmer, uh, who was sadly lost last season. I This was one piece of news that kind of like 
you know, if someone had told it to me, I would have done like a triple take. I'm, I'm excited. I think it's great. I'm really, it's kind of cool. Uh, an actor I never thought I would see in Star Trek necessarily. And, and I'm kind of wrapping my mind around it now going like, this could be really interesting, could be fun. Um, definitely uh, a more mature character. I have no idea how to to frame it, like maybe a Pulaski-esque type character, but that's just kind of my limited frame of reference for this. So, But Carol Kane, of course, you know, Taxi is mm-hmm. something that I know her from, and even that is kind of before my time. I watched that on like Nick at Night way back mm-hmm. in the day. So uh, very, very cool that she's now going to be a part of the Star Trek universe. It's super cool. Yeah, it's funny you say about Taxi because it, you said, oh, I watched on Nick at Night and it just shows how old I am. I met Danny DeVita when he was doing the last episode of Taxi. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> Very but, cool. But Carol Kane, yeah, she's a great comedic actress. And I'm hoping we see her character and Jet Reno in a scene together. Oh. Because I think that would be hilarious. But I don't know what they're doing with Carol Kane's character. Is it comedic? I would assume so and is it just a one episode stunt or is she like a recurring character i don't know yeah we really don't know a lot at this point but very interesting like i'm still not sure how to process it totally yeah kind of a bones type maybe i don't know what they're gonna yeah it it, it really is kind of unsure what what they're gonna make of of her as a character but i mean yeah i mean she comes well recommended so uh i look forward to it Mm-hmm. And and I like this description that we got as well of her character. Highly educated and intelligent, this engineer suffers no fools. Pelia solves problems calmly and brusquely thanks to her many years of experience. So yeah, maybe kind of that crusty character who, you know, like it says, doesn't suffer fools. Like that could be fun. And yeah, if they could have some sort of temporal anomaly somehow and have her play off of jet reno i think that would be a lot of fun i don't know how they do it but it's star trek anything's possible uh well we don't have a release date for strange new worlds we just know it's coming next year in 2023 same with star trek discovery season five coming next year in 2023 not sure the order or where it's going to be i've got to assume probably after strange new worlds given that they're still filming and i believe strange new worlds is wrapped for season two so the discovery bit we got in the star trek day was this behind the scenes tour hosted by wilson cruz which uh they don't reveal a lot There's, I think, one scene on the bridge where they say action and Burnham like stands up and opens her mouth and then then they cut away. (laughs) Yeah. And there's that one thing when she's talking with some crews and she's like, oh, here in the script. Oh, here I'm on the bridge. And then we beam down to, oh, can't say where we're going. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The one thing that I I picked up on that, of course, is Mary Wiseman is there. Uh, So presumably Tilly is back and hopefully in more of the season than than we got of her in season four. I don't know, like, is she back on Discovery? Is she teaching at the Academy? What's going on there? That's pretty cool. And of course, we saw Blue Del Barrio back as Adira as well. So very excited to see them on the show as well. So thoughts and I guess maybe hopes for season five, given that we don't know very much. I feel like Discovery in the last season especially really caught its stride. And not to say that it hadn't before in in places, but I would say like in terms of a sort of a consistent storyline that has been building on itself, 
I really feel like there's a lot that they can work with. And you're like, they were very coy. Everything was super coy. So I would say maybe they're going to try to retread some stuff. Maybe they're going to, maybe they're going to move the crew to a different, a different time again. I'm not sure. But, and I would think it would, I would honestly think it would be temporary. I think where they are now is going to be kind of their home base from now on in. But um, I'm gunning for seven seasons out of this. That's, that's the standard, right? So whatever they want to do, I mean, go for it. I think we, as as the Trek fandom, we're pretty cajoling. Um, we'll let you know what we don't like, and we'll let you know what we do. <laughs> and but that's the thing, right? Is you know, there's a lot more of definitely they're they're looking at the the current events that we're experiencing now, and they're exploring those concepts on Star Trek Discovery. I think extremely well, and I hope they continue doing that. The thing I'm hoping for is not a galactic ending event that they have to stop. So Mm. that's the only thing I'm hoping that they avoid. But uh, I don't know if I really have anything I'm really wanting to see this season, except uh, to Barry's point, when I was watching this and Wilson Cruz says, hey, we're doing season five. I thought, well, if this is the last season, they would have been told. And I mean, maybe we're not being told. But when he said it, just the way Wilson Cruz said that, I thought, yeah, we're going past season five, but how far? And uh, yeah, I'd like to see it go to at least seven seasons, mm-hmm. if not more. You know, I'd like to see more. Yeah, I'd be down if they wanted to, you know, blow the record right out of the water. Like Discovery season 12, let's do it. <laughs> let's not let's not get into Doctor Who territory, but um, <laughs> I could definitely see. I don't know. The one thing about Trek that I enjoy right now is just sort of the the variety that we're currently getting from it, right? Um, You want Mm -hmm. your episodic, you got your episodic with with Lower Decks and with Strange New Worlds. You want something that's kind of like a compelling storyline. You've got Discovery, you've got Prodigy. You know, you want something that is going to be here for a good time, not a long time, and you've got your Picard, right? He's This is it. Three seasons, right? Patrick Stewart is is a lovely man who deserves a, a lovely retirement. Um, but I think I think that's it is there's just so much to choose from if they want to take something long. I guess that's just because it's that um, that engaging to the fans. But also, let's continue reimagining Star Trek. Let's let's retread stuff. Let's recast stuff. The canon here and there. I mean, the Titan is a little on the too soon side, I guess you could say. It, by changing it if they were just to like reinvent it or something like that but they they gave it an a so there's still a little bit of um of a nod to a continuity but i don't know i think about like marvel and dc comics in the 80s and the 90s right from the uncanny to the uh amazing x-men um think different things were happening right um there were completely different storylines and different arcs and different conundra that uh characters were getting into and i think that's the the glory of all of this is we really can just do what we want with this entire franchise. And as long as there is this kind of, I don't know, it's a friendly relationship, um, uh, one that's very back and forth on the social medias and in the convention circuits between the writers, the actors and the fans, I guess just, yeah, get it to 12, but make it interesting. And if it isn't move on to something else, cause we can, and that's the best part. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. I, I can't remember who it was who said this in the last few years, but it was a quote that was basically saying, Canon is wonderful as long as it gives you opportunities, but it shouldn't be a straitjacket. And uh, I'm very much paraphrasing there, but yeah, like you can do anything with Star Trek. And the one thing that Discovery did a number of times 
that I loved and Strange New Worlds is very much doing right now as well is taking bits of canon and twisting them slightly, not changing them, not making them unrecognizable, but giving it just a little bit of a, like a zhuzh, like a little (laughs) bit of a twist that you didn't see coming. And you're like, whoa, that totally reframes this thing that I've believed for 50 years and makes it, oh, that, that actually meant this. I had no idea. And I love that. Like the writers getting to play in that arena and just, you know, take the toys off the shelves and do their own stories with them. They're, they've proven themselves at being brilliant at that. So I say, keep going, keep going and, and surprise us. I love it. The best one for me, when you said that of those situations of taking canon and kind of flipping it on its edge and you're like, Oh, I never thought of it that way. Or I didn't assume, you know, was the whole thing with, uh, Sarek's issue with Spock, not joining the Academy or yes. uh, not joining the, the Vulcan, science, Vulcan science, science academy. Yeah, academy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that one was one of those where it's like, Oh, we just assumed that he's like, Oh, I hate that you're joining Starfleet. no, it's because of what happened with Burnham and he sacrificed Burnham, not going to the Vulcan Academy to make way for Spock. And then Spock didn't take it. You know, it's like, ah, oh, that's so good. Yeah. Like the original thought is he's just being pissy at Spock, but right. it's his own shame because of what he did and how he failed as a parent. And oh, that's brilliant. That was so good. Well, um, yeah. So Discovery coming in 2023. We also did get this image of Burnham in season five. And it's just a still photo of um, what looks to me to be like a skidoo or a snowmobile of some kind, which, you know, they're filming in Toronto. So I mean, that tracks. So (laughs) I thought it was a picture of Dan going to work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Depending on the day. uh, Yeah. Very close. Yep. That could very well be. If she was uh, indeed filming that uh, in the lovely province of Ontario, and yeah, they, they film out of Toronto, I can actually say they either went to uh, Blue Mountain, which is a little ways north of Toronto, or they went down to Ellicottville in uh, New York State to film whatever they were doing, I would imagine. With that, I guess I'm always a little leery about off-road machines, uh, bringing it back to Nemesis again. Um, whenever a, a principal character zips around on something like that, it's typically uh, it's come off as a little indulgent. So I'm hopeful that uh, that they'll they'll have some kind of interesting purpose um, to to sort of get her on that interesting. <laughs> Barry, are you thinking back to Nemesis again and Picard driving his dune buggy? Yes, yes. I'm 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 there's there's two things flipping around in my head. Um, uh, we were talking a bit about how Discovery has sort of pushed the envelope on a number of occasions. And I can I can never forget how many people lost their minds when they looked at the new look on of the Klingons. Right. That was always like the big one. And here I was complaining about the nacelles um, <laughs> and, and being separated and stuff like that. But uh, I do have to say, uh, I'll get this out of my hair right now. We all need to understand that Nemesis is my least favorite Star Trek of all time. It is for me, you know, a little bit above Code of Honor, and that's about mm-hmm. it. So um, that's my that's my. But but if you come to me and say that you're a Star Trek fan and Nemesis is your absolute favorite, I definitely won't give you any trouble for that. I will high five you and say, "Boy, Tom Hardy's sure an actor." Hey, <laughs> and then we can move on and talk about something else. I hope Amy Nelson heard that because mm-hmm. she loves Nemesis. Exactly. Yes, love to Amy Nelson. Yeah. 
In a similar vein, I really like the movie Star Trek Beyond. It does a whole bunch of stuff that I really enjoy, but I think Kirk on the dirt bike is probably the low point. Yep. So, you know, that that holds up. Star Trek and off-road vehicles maybe not the best uh, relationship it there. It gets a little indulgent. A little indulgent. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I guess so I guess that what's the analog for the original series was uh, Spock and his marshmallow dispenser. That's that's pretty off-road. <laughs> oh yeah. A marshmallow. That was pretty indulgent too. <laughs> well, okay, let's uh let's move on to Lower Decks and Prodigy. Basically for those two we got some sneak peek clips. And also I'm I'm totally leaving out the interviews and the panels and stuff because again, I I didn't really see them. So Bruce, maybe you can speak to that a little bit, but uh Lower Decks we got a clip from an upcoming episode Crisis Point 2 Paradoxus which really excites me because Crisis Point was my favorite episode of season one of Lower Decks. Uh, Crisis Point 2 Paradoxus is airing October 13th. For those of you who don't remember Crisis Point, that's the one where Mariner created the holodeck movie version of the crew. And it's just epic. I love that episode so much. The fact that we're getting a sequel apparently written by Boimler. I'm really curious to see where they go with this, but we got a pretty cool little clip with Boimler in command of a sovereign class ship, the Wayfarer coming to the rescue of Cerritos. Very action-packed, very cool. Very excited for that. Lordex airing right now. Currently, uh, episode three just aired. Uh, episode four coming later this week. This particular episode, like I said, coming October 13th. Nice. Well, in 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 perfect paradoxus, just thinking about the Wayfarer, um, my favorite starship, hands down, is the Sovereign class. So, uh, and it gets some really nice shots in Nemesis. So here we are. <laughs> I was right? we, say, we live to survive our paradoxes. Just a little side tangent talking about Nemesis because I'm kind of there with you. It's it's one of my least favorite Star Trek outings. Why did the Enterprise E in that movie only have like contrails when it went to warp? Like it was leaving these little like lines of pollutant in space as it went to warp. It, it that Star Trek Online does it. Hmm, interesting. It the and they they have their those little tiny bits of contrails that I've always just dug quite a bit. Um, and I would think that some kind of like, you know, quantum wake would actually get cut by by something that is literally capable of bending space time, um, right? As as the as space moves around the ship as as quickly as it does. So I don't know. I think it's fun. Fair enough. Fair enough. So that part of Nemesis you do like. There's always something to love about Star Trek. Absolutely. Okay, so Star Trek Prodigy. We also got a sneak peek clip. Uh, from the second half of season one, I'm assuming from the first episode, when we get back episode 11, uh, great clip with the real Admiral Janeway on the Dauntless pursuing the protostar. The protostar, of course, is trying to evade them because they know they have this like virus that's going to infect the system of another ship if they contact them and stuff. So Janeway, of course, is angry and chasing them, but they're actually fleeing to protect Janeway and the Dauntless, which I think that's a really cool kind of way to frame the story here. So I, I've really enjoyed Prodigy. I think I, I, I wouldn't say I had low expectations going in, but I wasn't really expecting to be blown away by it. And it blew me away. I really, really like that show. Oh yeah. I would definitely put it ahead of Nemesis for sure. And <laughs> 
No, I really like Prodigy too. I like it a lot. And but do we we don't know exactly what year Prodigy takes place in, do we? I can't remember. It's a little nebulous. They've kind of, yeah. It's uh hmm. Yeah, that's kind of one of the lingering questions, I think. Because I was trying to figure it out by seeing Admiral Janeway, because she's got some gray, and I thought, okay, so it's not like maybe just like a few years after Voyager, right? So I'm thinking, around what time frame is that? And I forgot to really look at her uniform to see if that indicates anything. Mm, they they wear like the all good things style badge, I think. I was to say, what if what if they what if they accidentally ignite the star that kill that destroys Romulus? <gasps> oh dang. Liking that. <laughs> I, I mean, probably not. It's a kid's show. That sounds horrifying. <laughs> but um, or maybe they they like find out about it or something and try to warn the people. I don't know. I've I haven't watched all of Prodigy. I've only watched bits and bobs of it, but um, it's very accessible. And I think that's what I love the most about it is you can, you know, take, you know, say someone who's around the age of about 10 to 12. And that's a really great window into getting someone interested in star trek of course um it's great to see janeway getting uh getting more screen time uh, I, i'm not a voyager completionist so you know it, it is good to uh to get kate mulgrew back uh back back in the role again absolutely i just realized something as we were talking about and that theory that they ignite the the romulan um supernova there's a tie-in video game to Star Trek Prodigy called Star Trek Prodigy Supernova, and there's a novelization of that coming out next year. How wild, and I mean, this isn't going to be the case, but how wild would it be if the Romulan Supernova, the origin of that is in a tie-in video game to Star Trek Prodigy? And that, <laughs> that's not going to happen, but I think that's hilarious. If that is correct, I would say I will give... $55, no, $47 to uh, everyone that your listeners, the listeners charity of choice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Star Trek Prodigy returns very soon, Thursday, October 27th, the second half of season one will start airing. So uh, yeah, really looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. So Star Trek Prodigy has served as a vehicle for Kate Mulgrew to return to the role of first this holographic version of Janeway. And then as we saw in the mid-season finale, the real Catherine Janeway. Uh, and related to that, Kate Mulgrew recently at STLV was talking about the possibility of a Star Trek Janeway show uh, there have been conversations about it, apparently, and uh, she says that fans could make it happen. So it's kind of interesting. You know, I'm I, I enjoying the Janeway fix that we're getting from Prodigy. Voyager's not my favorite series, but I really like Kate Mulgrew. I like the character of Janeway. And, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, it's Star Trek. I'd watch it. I'd be all there for it, for sure. So um, what are your thoughts on the idea of a live action Star Trek Picard type show for Janeway. I feel like that's been done now. And and I don't want to say no to it either necessarily. Like it's not that I would, I would therefore would rather like a wharf series or something. I just feel like um, these sort of final outings for some of these characters are a real treat, but you don't want it to get too sweet now. 
it's called Star Trek Picard, but look at all of the other characters who are getting a lot of screen time. Look at, you know, we could have easily called it, you know, Star Trek 7. Is it necessary to get another, like a Janeway series going? I'm sure there are a lot of people who would be super into that. And I don't think it's necessary necessarily a bad idea i just feel like it's kind of been done now right with picard we've seen a lot of characters get their return that way and then with janeway kind of getting this really interesting venue and i mean the fact that she's going to be kind of for the younger audiences one of the first captains that they encounter one of like the first like you know big pantheon of captains i mean it might send them to voyager first which could be interesting and I think that's that's kind of good. So if there is maybe like a short vehicle, you know, one or two seasons, maybe three kind of thing like they did with Picard. But um, I don't know. I like all the new stuff. That's cool, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, I like all the old stuff and the new stuff. And I would take a Janeway series any day. And I'll tell you, I think a Star Trek Janeway series interests me more than a Star Trek Picard series. Not that I'm not saying like if I, if I, if I had a choice, like I never saw Star Trek Picard, like they hadn't even started producing it yet. I'd almost want a Janeway one. And the reason for that is because there's a part of me that wants to know so much about what happened when Voyager returned home. What's the after effect of that? I never had those questions with TNG, right? So with Voyager, if, if they did a Janeway series, I hope it would kind of lean on Voyager more so than Picard has leaned on TNG up to this point, because I'd want to know, you know, what happened when they got back? What are the ramifications of that? Is it something they're still dealing with? We know what happened to Seven, but what's happened to those other characters? And and where did Jane we have to find her place? Was it easy for her to step back into or not? And some of these things could be answered in Prodigy. And I'm expecting to see some of that. We've got, you know, indication of what Chakotay has been doing. But, you know, I like the idea of like playing around with these characters that even though I'd love to see a Star Trek Cisco also, (laughs) I don't know if Avery Brooks would come back, but I would also be open to them doing a, let's say a Cisco or an Archer or whatever series that is played by another actor in their younger days. Like maybe it's Cisco and Curzon, like, you know, doing things or something like that. But anyway, I'm just open to all kinds of new things, whether it's taking old characters or new characters. I'm still wanting some more short treks amongst all this, too. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like um, it would be neat to to catch up with uh, Ensign Kim um, collecting his Ensign's pension uh, <laughs> in, in the Star Trek Janeway. Yes. Now that he's going to be captain of the Titan A in my prediction. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I was going to say that's the thing. If they did a Janeway series, you'd catch up with, you know, Admiral Janeway and Captain Chakotay and Commander Torres and Commander Paris and Ensign Kim. So, you know, that'd yep. be great. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Harry. Oh, man. Okay. Well, hopefully, you know, Captain of the Titan A, like you said. Well, let's uh, move on. The final little bit of news that I want to talk about. And I, I just I had to put this on here because this is just like silly and I love it. A new product available from Nerf. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation phasers have been revealed. The uh, Basically the phaser rifle from Star Trek First Contact paired with a little type 2 hand phaser that fires Nerf darts. And I mean... I I kind of wish I was 30 years younger. This looks amazing. I I don't have 
parents that I could beg this for in any kind of serious capacity right now, but you know, back then I totally would have. Oddly enough, I would love just the little type two hand phaser that fires the single dart, you know, I, (laughs) that would be so much fun. Yeah. But Dan, why do you have to be younger? Why can't you get this now? Because I don't want to pay for it myself. I just can't beg my parents (laughs) for it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Christmas is coming. I love them. I absolutely love them. I've been a big fan of Nerf for a long time. I actually, uh, I had a friend back in uh, back in the day whose uh, wife owned a dance studio, and we would actually, when it wasn't in use, we would get a bunch of friends together and we would have like ten or eleven person Nerf wars in the different rooms of this dance studio with like the the different padding things kind of like stacked up and yeah, it was it was loads of fun. And so for me to think like that I could put my you know like a Star Trek uniform on and run around with that Nerf gun. I can't see any other other greater pastime at this point. I'm definitely going to price out one. You know, Nerf can get a little on the uh, picante side when it comes to what you're buying. So it's definitely not a a need. It's definitely a want. But um, I definitely want to see one up close. Yeah, me too. They are a little pricey. So they're sold together and retail for $119.99. Uh, yeah, that is, of course, U.S. dollars. So that's about $2,300 Canadian. Ish, uh, yeah. I joke, but not by much. These look wonderful. Um, the, the phaser rifle has this kind of half-assimilated Borgified look to it, which I thought was an interesting choice. I would say the reasoning behind that, and there's a story in my brain that I've already come up with, is probably Data and Jordy were able to put Borg components onto the rifle so that as they shoot the Borg, no longer can the collective find out a way to um, make the Borg immune to that phaser, um, like whatever formula it's using at that point. So that's what I'm thinking is that's the little head cannon that I have for it. And I'm, I'm going to run with that too. And think that if they took them all those years to figure out that would be nerf darts that can stop a Borg. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. They they can't handle fun. We've we've already realized this. That is the one weakness of the Borg is they just don't like having any fun. I love the idea of Data and Jordy modifying this rifle. And of course, because it's Data and Jordy, they do it in engineering five feet away from the warp core. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got to get that lovely shot in, right? I love that thing. <laughs> Awesome. Well, yeah, so um, I I can't justify this for myself, but they look so cool. Oh, Isn't man, there like uh, a, a Positively Trek company credit card we could like buy these on or, ooh, you know? Um, is somebody, could somebody else pay that credit card? That'd be great. <laughs> Go yeah. to yeah. patreon.com slash Positively Trek. <laughs> We're having a Nerf gun, a Nerf gun well, fund. Let's get in touch with Hasbro and see if we could get review copies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll give them back. We promise. Oh, I love it. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Positively Trek is brought to you by our wonderful supporters on Patreon, including our Constitution class supporters, Jim Stoffel, Joyce Marin, Carl Morris, 
Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, Jesse Earl, and Justin Ozer. Thank you all so much for your support of Positively Trek. If you would like to become a patron of the show, go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can get early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, and more. Once again, that's patreon.com slash positivelytrek. Thank you all once again. And now let's get back to the show. Well, um, so that's pretty much it for the Star Trek news. Of course, a ton of it this week with Star Trek Day, but that's not the only thing we're talking about on the podcast because joining us is Barry DeFord. He's joining the podcast. He's going to be the new regular co-host of Positively Trek. So I kind of want to start out just by asking you, Barry, how did you become a Star Trek fan? Why, why do you like this thing called Star Trek? Well, I think I, I appreciate the question very much, and I will try to be a little more brief. I'm, uh, I take it as a bit of a point of pride to be John Krikorian's first interview in his uh, on his podcast, Trek Profiles. Um, that was a number of years ago, back in, in fact, 2019, I think, or 2020. I, I can't remember now off the top of my head. It was a very long time ago. It was a good conversation. I haven't listened to it in a while, so I'd be interested to know how much uh, fidelity I have between both stories. But um, basically... It came back. It came down to my grandpa. I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house, and he was in the Merchant Marines in the Second World War, and wound up um, just liking some episodes of Star Trek. It's not like he was some avid watcher. Um, specifically, it was Balance of Terror that he liked. Um, they were they were the people dropping depth charges over the German U-boats, um, trying to blow them up because they had boats full of ammunition. And it was a quiet, serious game. Like he wasn't on the bridge or anything like that. He was a gunner um, and then just an anything else kind of person. He was the Ensign Kim of the ship, basically. And so, yeah, I remember just watching an episode of Balance of Terror. And I remember him saying that that this the vibe on, on the Enterprise bridge and the vibe on the Romulan bridge were so similar to the vibe on the boat. You were all so close to death and everyone was just so quiet. And they were all just listening and watching and all this sort of stuff, waiting for that torpedo to come, right? Wow. So he t he told me a lot about that. That's kind of where I en ended up ever getting any of his war stories. Um, actually, only only the details of his war stories came out after he died. His younger brother, Jack, sat us down and told us told us them all. And so that's kind of where I started with Star Trek. And then I ended up growing up watching The Next Generation. Um, I found it very, like, ooh, serious and stuff like that. Um, and I used to play in the basement with my friends. We would sit on the couch downstairs and pretend that that was like, you know, Picard and Riker's position. And then as we were tying our shoes to go outside, we'd make transporter noises because that was us, you know, transporting onto the surface and stuff. So my love of Trek comes early. It disappears, actually, um, when Enterprise came to a screeching halt. I got kind of kind of done with it. I just was sort of upset. I didn't think it was necessary. It was just sort of a silly, silly reason. So, you know, I just kind of got interested in other sci-fi and kind of hit Star Wars pretty hard. So Bruce, there'd be a bit for us to talk about, I'm sure. Um, I definitely, my knowledge of Star, Star Wars kind of stops at the prequels. And then, yeah, 2009 Trek, JJ brought, brought me back. So despite whatever criticisms we may have of him, um, I have 2009 Star Trek to thank to bring me back. And then I started watching it on Netflix and then I went to STLV and that changed everything. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. I, I definitely have to say Deep Space Nine is my favorite 
uh, of all, and the Dominion arc itself is the one that kind of pushed me into it. I actually have a friend um, who I went to junior high with who watched Deep Space Nine as it was happening, but I wasn't particularly as interested. I don't know for whatever reason. And he was like pleading with me. He was like, dude, you need to watch this. So I ended up watching it like a year and a half later when it was syndicated on like space, the the, the channel that we had. And um, I went over to his house. And I'm like, oh man, this Deep Space Nine is just so great. And he's like, he just looks at me. And he's like, I was screaming at you for like a year to watch this and you finally got around to it. So yeah, Deep Space Nine is my favorite. And yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. And if you guys have any other like questions or something, but um I'm really excited to be doing this and maybe we can get onto that uh, very interesting how we met story. Absolutely. Well, um, yeah. So first of all, of course, you're an experienced podcaster, your show Politrex, uh, over on Trek geeks network, uh, is I, I'm not subscribed. I, my apologies to all of my star Trek friends who listen to this podcast, who have their own podcasts, I don't subscribe to very many Star Trek podcasts. There's maybe three or four, but one of them is Politrex that I've been subscribed to since, uh, I can't remember if I started at day one, but I've certainly listened to all of the episodes. Uh, I can't remember if I had to go back or if I started at the beginning, but it's been on my podcast feed for a long time. Yeah, well, Politrex, of course, was something that my friend my friend and brother in Trek, Shashankavaru, um, and I... Uh, we got started back when we first met at the first STLV the two of us went to. And uh, we were first with the tricorder transmissions. And yeah, Politrex was a sort of a critical look at current events and historical events and sort of cultural norms and everything like that. So it's kind of like the social studies of uh, of Star Trek, I, I like to say. And so obviously um, Shashank comes from his sort of political background. I come from mine. And we we would talk and, and I learned actually quite a bit um, specifically about Indian history, actually getting to talk with Shashank, obviously him growing up in India. He had so many brand new in- insights that I would have been completely blind to. And uh, that was probably for me the most valuable part of the show was uh, getting to hear, you know, what Shashank had to say. And then a couple of the times we've had some pretty amazing people on the show as well. And uh yeah, we've just sort of hit a bit of a pod fade. Um, when my brother passed away in 2020 uh, in January, I just decided it was time to take a, a bit of a hiatus and a lot has changed in my life since then. And uh, so that's why I'm saying there's no no, necessaril, no necessarily um, to say that Polytrack isn't going to come back ever. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, it's good. It's easy to keep up with, I'm sure right now, Dan. It's it's still in my podcast feed though. There's there's a lot of podcasts when they don't put out an episode, I get rid of them. But I, I keep that one in my podcast feed because there there have been a few sporadic ones pop up from you. you oh guys. yeah, so yeah, yeah. And Shashank actually did a number while I while I left, and and they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I highly recommend checking them all out. They're uh, they're all great. Absolutely. Well, okay. So 2018. Star Trek Las Vegas. Um, I I went to STLV back in like 2010 and 2011, and I think 2012, and then I didn't for those few years. Decided to go back for 2018. Uh, got invited or managed to sneak my way, whatever, into the Trek Geeks party, and uh, yeah, there's this guy there talking about being from Canada, and I'm like, well, I gotta get in this conversation and uh so Barry do you want to tell this story because it's absolutely wild 
yeah it was the it was the trek um uh, sorry it was the um tricorder transmissions kind of penthouse party john kerkorian had gotten um a really nice room um i don't know if him specifically i know i know he was the guy who like spoke to the people to make it happen i'm not saying he like shelled out or anything for it he was just he he lives in vegas so he knows what he's doing <laughs> so we just sort of trusted him on that and uh yeah he he got this lovely penthouse suite set up and so we ended up having people come uh up to the to the party it was different listeners people from different podcasts and yeah which was hard to I... get to because because of that penthouse suite you had to have a room key so yeah. i remember like we had to wait for uh, downstairs at the elevators for people come to get us and sometimes yeah. that took a while <laughs> we referred to it as the airlock um <laughs> sometimes he got stuck in the airlock oh um, I, I just remembered too when we were leaving i left my backpack there and that necessitated like a 20 minute wait for, I think it was Heather from Tricorder Transmissions to bring it down at some point. But yeah, that was wild. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no reason to take the stairs. That's for sure. Cause like it was way up there, but uh, yeah, there was like Trek shows playing and then, and then we actually did um, couch Trek. Bruce, you were in that. Um, yes. that. We did that Facebook live where we, we read from that Star Trek script I made and everyone was sitting on different parts of like hotel furniture and kind of making it look like a, a, a scene from the bridge. Yeah, that turned out really well, actually. That was it pretty was loads cool. of fun. You were my yeah. uh, you you were telemetry, weren't you? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think uh, so. Anyways, that was really cool. I didn't take part, but I, I got to sit on the sidelines and watch that. And like five minutes in, I was like, oh, I wish I I wish I'd volunteered to join. That looked like so much fun. <laughs> We could always organize another one as like a positively Trek thing. I would be totally down. So anyways, yeah, we're, we're, we're there. And yeah, you and I start talking about Canada and us both being from Canada. And I mean, it's weird because you and I both kind of took that apologetic. You probably don't know what part of Canada I'm from tone because there's people from Toronto and Vancouver. And then there's people from Canada, right? Like from the rest. And, and typically you're not going to meet too many people outside of those. Maybe a few from Montreal here and there but um as we as we both were like well i'm from the west well i'm from the west and then you and i kind of eyed each other a little bit more and nikki was there and she's kind of looking at me and i'm like well i'm from alberta and then nikki's like we're from alberta (laughs) and i'm like well i'm from the north and then you said you're like i'm from the north and then we we started looking and i'm like are you from like fort mcmurray athabasca and then i think we all were like grand prairie and it was just this amazing moment where we started like talking about um, like neighborhoods and stuff. And it was really delightful because I had lived in Grand Prairie probably at that point for five or so years. And, you know, though, though I did have a few friends and stuff like that, I really had nobody to talk Star Trek with. So naturally, you and I immediately got back to Grand Prairie and then never, ever spoke to each <laughs> other very much at all. <laughs> and it's, it's funny how... How just sometimes that happens where um, you and I kind of have always sort of done our own things up here. Uh, and then when we do meet, it's always a really great conversation and it usually goes way longer than we expected. So for you to 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 offer this to me is actually a wonderful opportunity. And it's something that uh, I think kind of sort of goes takes that full circle to when we first met. I think we both agree that whoever was running the Matrix that day was caught sleeping. Yeah, absolutely. And wasn't it just the other day we were planning one of our episodes and um, we were talking about the the Star Trek actors that died and then Dust in the Wind came on? 
the <laughs> when we were in that cafe. <laughs> but I think I think that's the thing is 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 maybe that's the serendipity of of you and me getting to podcast. And I mean, obviously, Bruce, you're irreplaceable. Um, you're a riot. You have so much information in your head. So obviously, anytime you just feel like popping on in, like obviously this this works as a trio. Um, and if you ever wanted to come back for good, I'm I'm happy to just sort of pop in whenever too. I think this is sort of a anything goes kind of format, and I like that. So mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to this. Excellent. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it as well. And I mean, yeah, that that whoever was running the Matrix is just like like we said, just kind of crapping himself that he allowed this to happen or he or she allowed this to happen and. Also, the fact that we're both teachers, that's yeah. just another little bit of weirdness there. And then uh, the dust in the wind incident just the other day, I think you and I both agreed was like that person letting us know that he sees what's going on is like, we'll give them this one. And then when, when you tried to introduce me, my phone cut out and I had to reconnect. <laughs> yes. Like the second you're like, and Barry DeFord is here. And I just went, boop, disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> little magic behind the producing there folks the the it was kind of a weird moment but uh, here we are mm-hmm. excellent well i'm really excited for what the future holds that's the name of another podcast uh i'm really excited for what is coming on positively trek but also check out what the future holds that's a good podcast as well uh anyway um but yeah uh really i i feel like your love of star trek really coincides a lot with mine i think that's going to work out really well the fact that deep space nine is your favorite and the dominion war is a touchstone for you i think really speaks well to uh i mean maybe it'll get boring because i feel exactly the same way and i did watch deep space nine when it first came out and i could probably find some old binders from high school where instead of you know, listening to the teacher or whatever, there's like a full page picture with a Federation Klingon fleet on one side and a bunch <laughs> of Cardassian and Jemadar ships on the other. And, you know, all hell is breaking loose because, you know, Call to Arms was wild and, and Sacrifice of Angels had just aired or whatever. And it was just like Tears boy. of the Prophets and that, that, that Excelsior class going oh. upside down into the planet. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a Dominion War rewatch is in the cards on the podcast at some point. It's actually <laughs> happening right now for me. I'm like halfway through. So, uh, mm. yeah. Well, and I, I t- I've taken about a four week hiatus at this point now, too. So I can I can start over again. That's the best part about that arc is really I just start anywhere and then just continue right on to the end. Wow. All right. Well, lots of fun to come for sure. And of course, uh, Bruce, I want to just. Again, this is kind of the fourth episode now with a goodbye. Uh, with, well, we could do it again next week. Too. Yeah, what the heck? You know, <laughs> come on. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I can't uh, let this episode end without saying how much you've meant to Positively Trek. And um, as as has been said, the chair is always pulled out and ready for you there to uh, to join us and and. Yeah, like Positively Trek, you're an indelible part of the podcast from the beginning, and uh, we we would love to have you on again sometime. So um, <laughs> once again, it just it's funny that this is the fourth episode in a row that is going to be your last episode. <laughs> so. Well, 
I, I, I really appreciate it. I love hearing those words from you. And, and that's why I keep coming back. Cause I keep wanting to hear you say that over <laughs> and over again to me. And, Tell me I'm beautiful. <laughs> and then, and then I had, I had no say in who was going to fill the seat. That was Dan's domain to, to make that decision. And I will tell you, Barry, that I had you in mind as a possibility, a good possibility. And Dan said, so I think I picked someone. And I thought, I think he's going to say Barry. And he said, Barry. And I was like, yes, yes. Cause I like Barry and his name begins with a B like mine does. So that's just perfect. Well, there you go. Exactly. And, and, and being that we're both people whose names start with B, um, it'll be easier for, um, you know, I don't even know. No, no, I can't even go with that one, Bruce. I'm sorry. No, uh, I'm super happy though, that, that, um, that the fact that you can keep coming back, we can always, um, we, we can always trade off in terms of if we want to give Dan a hard time about, um, you know, how he's, how he's running things or. Well, you know what, Barry, what would be interesting is if Dan can't make an episode and you want me to fill his seat. That that's actually, that's actually the best is maybe this is just a very slow, hostile takeover of people whose <laughs> names start with B. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm open to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, very excited about where things are going. Uh, maybe less excited if they're going in that direction, but, uh, <laughs> you know, just give me a bit of warning first, I guess. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's been, you know, 200 and this is our 214th episode. Uh, we've been going for over two years and I'm hoping for many more years of Positively Trek to come. Uh, I do have to say no, no pressure, Barry, but, when Bruce first said that he was thinking of, um, he's, he's not going to be doing the show anymore. It was honestly like, I don't know if I want to do this show anymore. If it's not with Bruce, like I, that, you know, I don't know. And then again, this is the matrix serendipity thing. When, when Bruce informed me of this, I had made plans to hang out with you like two days later. That was just completely independent of this and i was kind of like i don't know i i can't think of anyone that i'd want to do this podcast with that isn't bruce <gasps> except maybe barry if if he has any interest whatsoever that'll save the show again i didn't drop this on you quite that way at the beginning because i didn't want to that much pressure on you <laughs> but i thought like that that would be interesting. That's the one path. It's it's like Doctor Strange when he's looking at all the different possibilities. I was like, oh, that's the one path that Positively Trek will continue and I'd still really want to do the show. And sure enough, that worked. So uh, not to totally cross franchises or whatever, but you know, you're the Tony Stark snapping his fingers of the <laughs> podcast. So there you go. <laughs> that really means a lot. And maybe one last little bit of serendipity. And I've decided that this isn't a uh, a person who's running the Matrix who's who's brought all this together. It's a cue because this is episode 214. What's the tallest building in the city you and I live in? <laughs> 214, 214 place. place. This this large black cube that uh, sits just sort of in the middle of the uh, the wind-blasted Canadian prairie. So uh, <laughs> Our 14-story our skyscraper <laughs> oh it scrapes that sky big time <laughs> why it's almost the size of the montauk building down in chicago <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Oh man, that's funny. Obviously, I think numerology is bunk and stuff, but man, you could just really like, if you really wanted to dig into stuff, you could, I could see how they get sucked in. It's a Q. I'm just going to say Q, a Q, a Q is now running the uh, the show here. So with that, I'm excited to see what they have in store for us. Awesome. Well, Bruce, possibly one last time, where can people find you online if they want to follow your exploits, both uh, Star Trek related and otherwise? <laughs> well, you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. And you can also find me on Facebook and in your show's discussion group on Facebook. And Barry, for the, the first time in what's going to be many times that you're probably going to say this sort of thing, where can people follow you online? Well, actually, I'm going to say probably the best place to look for me is on Facebook. I've been meaning to get back onto that app for, for a few reasons, and I think that is probably the best window for me to uh, find my way back there. So you can just look up Barry DeFord. You'll see a picture of me and my lovely fiance Rochelle. Um, feel free to follow me uh, if you would like in that regard too. And uh, otherwise, I'll be spending time with the uh, positively Trek folk uh, in the Facebook group. Excellent. You can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. Follow the show on Twitter at Positively Trek and on Instagram also at Positively Trek. And of course, as has been mentioned, the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. Just search for that. We'll let you in. You have to answer some questions and agree to the rules. They're not too onerous. We'd love to have you join the conversation. And uh, where else? Goodreads. We're on Goodreads. Um, I, I probably need to start taking a more active role in that because that's been all Bruce. And uh, yeah, I think we looked once and he has like, I don't know what it would be up to now, but hundreds of comments on all these posts. And I think I had three. Uh, <laughs> so that's not that's not good. I need to up my game there. But uh, yeah, anywhere you find Positively Trek, I'll try and be there and, and, and doing all that sort of stuff. So Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we'll see you in another upcoming episode. And until then, as always, stay positive. Of course, Barry DeFord is joining us. Um, and has <laughs> the- <laughs> He was, and he just left. Um, that was great timing. <laughs> what just happened? Sorry, I like immediately it just disappeared. I think it's because our Wi-Fi sucks. The other thing we need to get is a better modem. I might disappear. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.